gives you a feeling of, of you know, it, it's humbling to be able to go in and, and know you're helping the population that you're helping. You're making a difference. Today I'm here with Senior Master Sergeant Kenny Rentiers, one of our first surgeons here at the 165th, and you are kind of leading the infection control teams. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. Glad to be here. So can you tell me a little bit about your role in the coronavirus response? I have five infectious control teams, what we call ICTs, that are out in the field, and my job is to coordinate the logistical side at the Army National Guard base here. I have a counterpart uh, with the Army. He's taking care of his five Army teams. I'm taking care of our five Air National Guard teams. So what does the response look like? These teams are going all over the, the state of Georgia, is that right? Yes, we have teams in Brunswick. We have teams in Statesboro. We have teams in Savannah. We go as far as Baxley, Douglas, Waycross, we have a team that's actually traveling to Waycross today, and they're going to spend four days in Waycross for a very large facility down there, and they have three other facilities in Waycross. So it's a pretty much three, three-and-a-half-day job to complete all the facilities down there. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about your Air National Guard career and what all you've been a part uh, of so far? I started the Air National Guard as a firefighter. I was a civilian firefighter here on base and saw what the guard did in the first drill weekend, so I decided to join the, the guard side of the house. So I was a firefighter for the guard fire department for 20 years, and I've got 32 years of firefighting experience. Um, about seven years ago, I decided to step away from the fire department and became a first sergeant. Okay. So I've been a first sergeant for, I was six years in aircraft maintenance, and in the last year I've been uh, the wing, uh, small wing and operations group first sergeant. Okay. And now what inspired you to join the Guard? Um, number one was it's, it's just uh, being a volunteer firefighter is just another way to serve. And, you know, uh, hearing some of, the, some of the people when I first joined, some of the experiences of you know, whether it was deploying to different places, um, the missions like going to Gulfport after Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. um, those type of missions really were were instrumental in me deciding to join the Guard because I always just saw it as a, as a way of serving. Um, and you get a paycheck. <laughs> Plus, the, the technical training and the experience you get in the military crosses over to your civilian job. So, my civilian job, I was able to promote and move forward in that career because of my military experience. So it was a it was a win win on both sides of the house. Was there anything in particular that drew you to firefighting? My dad was a volunteer firefighter. Um, my brother was a volunteer firefighter. So it's and I actually have a son who is a firefighter. So it's it's just it's kind of one of those things that I guess was bred in us. And my grandfather was a volunteer firefighter. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So it's just kind of a um, in the fire service we kind of call it a legacy. Okay. So um, when my son graduated rookie school, it was really cool for me to be able to pin his badge on, and my dad was a part of that too. So 
that made things uh, really instrumental and um, you know and like I say my son he's 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 doing it now and really enjoying it. Okay. Now, are there any, when you look back, are there any experiences where you're like, wow, that is the most memorable thing or most fulfilling thing I've ever done, either in your firefighting career or in the Air National Guard? The biggest one for me is going back to Hurricane Katrina. We took a team of about 50 or 60 um, Air National Guard members, convoyed to Gulfport, Mississippi, and we set up tents. We were garbage men, garbage people. We did anything and everything that was required. After we got the base set up, we started going into the um, some of the communities and passing out water bottles, um, MREs. They had um, little stuffed animals that we could give to the kids that were coming through. But that was probably one of the most humbling experiences, just seeing the 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 grin and the smiles on people's faces, just giving them a case of water. And then when you give a little child a little stuffed animal, you know, that, that they probably lost everything. That was very, very humbling. We actually went to one of the stores and was buying candy and were giving the kids candy as they were coming through the lines too. So it was just, it, it was, it was very humbling to see what, what kind of a difference you were making in those people. Jumping into 2020, we find out that you know, this is a pandemic. What was the initial like call like and standing up the teams like for you for COVID-19 response? Well, we were actually tasked to work side by side with the Army. So that was kind of a culture shock for some of us to, to um, but, you know, we, we've gelled. Everything's working out great. Um, I've got a counterpart out there, uh, First Sergeant Durden with the Army National Guard. And we work hand-in-hand. Hand. He takes care of his five teams. I take care of our five Air National Guard teams. And But just trying to get the logistics of getting vehicles, getting the equipment, getting the training, um, that, that was – it was tough because we were back and forth. And, of course, you have issues with one vehicle may breaks down or, or just getting fuel for the vehicles was a logistical nightmare, but we've got it all ironed out and everything's working smooth now. Okay. Now, when they're going in, can you kind of paint a picture for what they're doing when they go into the long-term care facilities? Yes. They are actually going in and cleaning room by room. So we go into a facility and they go in with a spray bottle and a rag. So they spray or mist the wall. They spray or mist every horizontal surface they wipe it down. They concentrate on the on the common areas that are touched by the by the patients or or by the the resident, and they wipe it down. Um, and they do that every room on every wing on every floor. And then we go in and in the common areas we use a fogger, and the fogger just cleans it so you don't have to wipe you know wipe down a, a hallway. Right. You just walk down with the fogger. And it fogs the entire from floor to ceiling, so it covers every inch of the hallway or if it's a conference room or something like that. And then we just have to come back if it's a hardwood floor or it's a tile floor. They actually mop because the stuff leaves like a residue. Gotcha. So, um, you know, we're, we're like janitors in there. We carry a mop bucket and, and a mop. And once the fog is settled, we just, we mop the floor. They're going into these long-term care facilities. Are the residents asking you guys, are they excited to see you? Like, what is the general consensus when they see you? Most of the residents are very receptive. 
And most most of the patients sometimes it just just depends on that we have a lot of memory care facilities that we're going in. Just just getting them comfortable with us working in there because you almost look like you're in a chemical environment because of the suit and the mask you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but most are receptive. Most are very appreciative. Um, and and some of the uh, team members have been saying that you know that's very humbling when you have those people and and you know you're making a difference. That's awesome. So all of the members that have volunteered for the infection control teams, was there anything with that that surprised you or was it just, what was it like seeing all these people that stepped up to? I think it's, 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 it's trifold. Um, Number one, that's what they joined the guard for. Gives you a feeling of, of, you know, it's humbling to be able to go in and, and know you're helping the population that you're helping. You're making a difference. And we're seeing the difference according to, what the state is sending down and and what what we're getting from our state headquarters. And you guys are moving quickly. Like I think everybody I was there for a little bit on Saturday and everybody had a good attitude. They're getting things done. They're knocking it out. What can you tell me about the overall attitude of, of the airman? The morale is is through the roof because I, I think we've got a we've got a, a mixture of um, the one sixty fifth uh, the 117th, the 224th, and we have some CRTC members. So it's a it's it's just a, a mix of people from our wing and our GSUs, and and everybody is hitting the ground running. Um, they're taking care of each other. It's just a bond that that, that you build, and you know, and, and you know, we're all in it for the same satisfaction, I guess. Right, right. And we've got airmen that come from either all over the state or sometimes even in the country, and they all have different backgrounds. So just to kind of paint a picture for our audience, if you're not familiar with our wing, the 165th is here in Savannah, and then we have two geographically separated units, so the 117th and the 224th. So these airmen might not get to see each other face-to-face, and they might get to meet airmen that they've never met before uh, while supporting our state. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the backgrounds of some of the folks that have volunteered. So I know we've got some finance, we've got personnel, we've got kind of everything out there. We have, uh, we have firefighters, we have security forces, we have personnelists, um, the 117th, um, I believe they're radar technicians. Um, but, but I mean, it's just, it's a wide array of different um, AFSCs. This is something we've never done before. Like we respond to domestic issues like hurricanes. And the National Guard was in the Spanish flu of 1918. But you know, for most of us, this is something we've never experienced. What What can you say about the level of innovation and you know, just to get things done? What What's kind of surprised you about all of that? The all the different teams stepping up and creating their own process we were trained of a way to complete the facilities we have 15 members on the team and the way the that we were trained it was five members in five members out and five admin and then every team rotates well each team has found somebody that's administratively you know superior to everybody else right and they're using that person just to do the job of admin and then we have some teams that have broken the teams up into six and six and three admin so they'll have 12 people inside working which are getting twice the work and those three admin people are tracking 
their, you know, their time in. It's, it's a big accountability thing. Right. And they're also tracking room by room. They're marking it on their um, their blueprint of what's clean. So the the just just the way the different teams have all come together as the the separate team and created their own efficient way of making it work. So you guys are all using the same training, just playing up each person's strengths. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And some teams are stronger than others. Um, you know, you, you've got some younger um, airmen that, you know, I mean, they're, they're fit. So they're able to stay in longer than some of the other, you know, the, who, who might be a little bit older. Right. So right. And when you're in those suits, it's hot, it's uncomfortable. And some people just, you know, you get a little claustrophobic wearing those suits and the mask. Right. So, and they've identified those people and, and you don't want to put that person in a suit when you can use them as, as an admin person. Right. So when you're in a suit, it do, I'm imagining it doesn't breathe super well. And then you have something making it hot when you breathe. So I can imagine that that would get quite taxing. Yes. So. And the good thing is most of the facilities we're going in are air conditioned. Good. <laughs> so, so it makes it a little easier and more bearable when you're inside, mm -hmm. um, but you're still working. So it does create, there's, there's no air coming in and out of the suit because then you're, then you're going to either be exposed or you're exposing yourself to somebody who could be vulnerable. So the main reason we wear the suits is so we do not expose the patients and the residents to anything. Okay. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Why We Serve, the official podcast for the 165th Airlift Wing. Any mention of outside entities is not an endorsement of the DOD, U.S. Air Force, or the Air National Guard. Be sure to tune in at anywhere you can download podcasts. <laughs>